Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. The NGSC Radio Network, in conjunction with the Happy Hour Network, are proud to bring you the only show that matters with your host, the heartthrob G.W. Gross, and the future of all sports media, Joe Weidra. Bear witness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the only show that matters brought to you by the NGSC Radio Network in conjunction with the Happy Hour Network. I am your host of the show, the only host that matters, the heartthrob G.W. Gross. With me today and throughout the entire football season, except for last week, sadly enough, is my man, the future of all sports media, Joe Weidra. How are you feeling, Joseph? I'm pretty good. You introduced yourself as the only host that matters, though. Like, uh, I'm the co-host. Like, I know I missed one week, but you're really just going to forget about me already, huh? Yeah, that, that's what happens, man. You're, you're, you're going to earn your way back into my heart, right? That's the way yeah, that's fair, we're going to play this fair. out. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. We got the, it's, uh, let me tell you, it, you picked a good week to be absent, though, because the NFL slate of games was horrible. <laughs> like, it was just like it a was, bad slate of NFL games. And, like, I, I just ran through the picks. I didn't even care. Let me tell you, it was so horrible that I didn't even want to wager a single single game on Sunday. I didn't do anything. I mean, a single game on Sunday. But um, but, but 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 for those that listen to the college locks, they actually they actually I, I nailed it on the college lock last week. Of course, the one week you're not here, you know, I nailed it last week. You know, shout out to Wake Forest. You know, coming through with that plus thirteen against Louisville. Shout out to Air Force, the mighty mighty Air Force as well, dominating Hawaii. But um. Before we get into college football, Joe, you know, we really talk about the previous action in the NFL, but I wanted to focus on just a couple of things in particular instead of the games, because the games were pretty much not eventful. I mean, it was just a boring NFL weekend. To be I didn't like the matchups. I didn't like anything. But a lot of key injuries happened this weekend. Um, the first one I'll talk about is, um, I, I guess the way I want to talk about the injuries, short-term and long-term, Joe. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, out for the year for Pittsburgh. Um, I, I understand that it's a huge blow because – that, that there, there's not another back as versatile as Le'Veon Bell, except maybe Jamal Charles and Matt Forte. You could say, like, those three are the most versatile back, you know, and all three of them are hurt now, by the way. Um, but Le'Veon Bell out for the year. But I got to say, Pittsburgh lucked out when they signed D'Angelo Williams because when he, when he subbed those first two games when Le'Veon Bell was suspended, he fit in really well. And the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is back, and, I mean, him and Roethlisberger had a chemistry – it's going to be a, a drop-off, but not too much. They have enough offensive firepower to still do what they have to do in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm not sure there's too much of a drop-off with D'Angelo Williams in the lineup. But, you know, both he and Jonathan Stewart at Carolina are doing good. You know, you're not mm-hmm. paired with each other. And I think that's just because when they've been able to see the field as the feature back, they really shine. So I think D'Angelo Williams really not much of a drop-off. He looks rejuvenated. I get that Le'Veon Bell is that guy, probably the best running back in the NFL right now. I just don't think it's mm-hmm. going to be too much of a drop-off because now they're going back to, okay, Roethlisberger's back. You can go back to the passing game with a good complimenting running back in D'Angelo Williams. So I don't think it will hurt them too much just because I think they get Roethlisberger back at a key time. Now, both of these guys out, completely different story, but I think Roethlisberger, his insertion to the lineup kind of trumps whatever Bell was going to bring. And, again, I just don't think Williams is going to provide too much of a drop-off considering the offensive game plan is probably going to be tailored a bit towards Ben and Antonio Brown. Um, uh, I, I mentioned before, my team, the Chicago Bears, uh, sees Matt Forte may be out 
two to three weeks. Um, that's the early speculation. I mean, if you if you follow me on Twitter or heard me on any podcast, you know I'm a diehard Bears fan. Doesn't care much for soft-ass Matt Forte, though. Don't care for one bit. Um, considering the kind of season the Bears are having, Joe, um, it, it's pretty much a rebuild and, and pretty much a scratch and sniff into a trial, a trial season. I think this is a great opportunity for Jeremy Langford to prove himself for, for the next two, three weeks. You know, um, it, 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 and, and, and it may make a departure from Matt Forte really easy if Langford can seem to carry a load of at least 20 carries a game or, or, or show some kind of versatility. So for the Bears, considering the season that they are, considering they're two and five, no hope for the playoffs, um, it's, it's, it'll be good to see what they have in Jeremy Langford. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say that. You're absolutely right with Jeremy Langford. He went in the fourth round pretty much where I expected him to go. He was a mid-round back with a whole lot of upside, and I think that upside is going to be able to – you're going to get – not going to necessarily get the chance to see what kind of player he is cause moving forward because obviously – you know, rookie year, these guys are going to grow. But you're going to get a good sense of what he can bring to the table moving forward. So I absolutely agree. I think, you know, losing Matt Forte, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's disappointing, but when you look at the year and you look at the future, I think it's more important to get Jeremy Langford and even Kadeem Carey more reps in than Matt Forte in the lineup just because you know the future is going to be centered around at least Langford. And this would be a good opportunity for Carey as well. Um, you could take the lead on this one. Steve Smith in Baltimore. Steve Smith out for the year. Yeah, this one is uh, it's disappointing, but when you look at the Ravens' season, it's almost the same as the Bears. You kind of have to look ahead. I think this will be a good opportunity. The Ravens made a move for Chris Givens, the speedster from St. Louis, a couple weeks back, and he actually had a nice mm-hmm. game on Sunday. You know, hit the deep routes. Joe Flacco loves that deep ball, and it's what the Ravens have been missing. So I think that this is going to give Givens an opportunity to get in. Obviously, Kamar Aiken they like a whole lot. It's just going to be a good opportunity for some young guys that – may not necessarily be names, but they're going to be players that have to contribute for the Ravens moving forward. Because even if Steve Smith does come back next year, Joe Flacco's here for the long haul. So this will be a good opportunity for the Ravens to use some of those big weapons. I, you know, it, it, it's not a blessing in disguise. It's never say that about an injury, but the same thing goes with Matt Forte. It's a good, really good opportunity for the future. I don't think the Ravens, while they would have loved to have Steve Smith in the lineup, but it's a great opportunity. Um, yeah, and I, and I guess when you talk about those young receivers that get a chance, I'm guessing Rashad Perriman is not on that short list because he doesn't look like no. he's ever going to play this year. <laughs> no, <laughs> like he's point, it's just very him. odd because, you know, going into training camp, it was a, supposedly a minor injury. I know we talked about this, but now it's November. Yeah. We're approaching the middle of the, of the month here, and, you know, nothing yet. So it, it's odd, and I don't expect him to really see the field limited, if at all, this year. I think you have to look forward to the future, and unfortunately he doesn't get that chance. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Jets, um, he may need some minor surgery on his hand. I think it's his thumb. Uh, the, the, the Jets are saying day-to-day, but I think if you need surgery on your hand, you're not going to play, you know, a, at least one week. But I, I think the Jets have a bigger problem. Um, I mean, this will be the big, bad Jets defense. And I, I, I like the pieces on Oakland, but let's be honest. Like, nobody saw Oakland putting up 34 against this Jets secondary and this front line. You know, I mean, this Jets defense has been pretty stout all year. Um the problem for me comes that, like, you can see the seasons that Chris Ivory and Brandon Marshall are having. That's fine. Those are two guys on this offense. You know, Eric Deck is having a pretty decent season himself, but Fitzpatrick is their best option on the center. That says a lot about your offense moving forward. Um, Geno Smith, I mean, he showed you what he could do. He pretty much got hurt, too. Um, and, and then they have the guy you and me have no faith in, it's Bryce Petty. You know, uh, who knows if the Jets are going to look at the free agency for another backup quarterback, but – it's funny to say this, but Ryan Fitzpatrick being out or, or not healthy could really hurt the Jets' chances of getting a wild card, which is bizarre to say. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, there is prime position to do it just because of what they did early in the season. Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't playing great football, but what he was doing is a formidable option under center that can get the ball to playmakers. And I think that's what you need. And I'm not sure Geno Smith is the safe option. So now that he's dealing with that shoulder injury, obviously Fitzpatrick having a hand injury, you know, Bryce Petty coming into the game, it just really takes away pretty much everything you can do because now defenses are keying in on the run. They know if you can stop Chris Ivory, you've got a really good chance to hold them to under 20 points or so and win the game. So I, this is a big loss. Like you said, it's really weird to say, but Bryce Petty and Ryan Fitzpatrick are on two completely different uh, playing fields right now. Petty's never seen a snap in the NFL. Well, I think Fitzpatrick was doing an admirable job at leading this team probably to a playoff race if everything stays the way it was. So, this is definitely a roadblock that they're going to have to figure out how to deal with. Bryce Petty, not the guy, in my opinion. Um, 
it's not a huge, huge loss to the league or anything, but I don't mean to say that um, terribly, but Seattle's rookie wide receiver, Ricardo Lockett, I'm just saying, he just took off this shot across the middle in that Dallas game. Um, I think he had minor neck surgery as well. Minor neck surgery, he's probably going to be out for the rest of the year. But uh, it was just a shame. He's a young guy, and I actually think, I actually think, if given the chance, he's their best pure wide receiver on the team, Lockett. You know, so um, I, I thought that was, I thought that was a shame just to see him like just get hit like that. He got hit really hard, and like just to see, you know, it's always scary when a guy drops and just doesn't move. It's always a scary sight. Um, moving on to San Francisco, though, um, they trade Vernon Davis to Denver, and they bench Colin Kaepernick for Blaine Gabbert. What's the bigger move in your opinion? I think the bigger move for me right now is, is the move to Blaine Gabbert. I think it proves that the 49ers' faith in Colin Kaepernick really isn't there anymore. And whether he's a good player or not really can't be judged at this point just because of the clear, strained relationship that exists between these two guys. I mean, Colin Kaepernick is a guy who has tremendous talent. He does. I mean, nobody's going to deny that. We've seen what Colin Kaepernick can do. It's just the relationship that he is in with San Francisco right now is not healthy. It's time for him to get out of there and start afresh. I think he's a very talented quarterback, a guy that can do a lot of special things. But when you have a team that is literally just saying, we're going to take the worst quarterback in the NFL and put him in a starting position over you, it proves that this this goes way beyond talent because the, the 49ers know that Colin Kaepernick is more talented than Blaine Gabbert. They know that. Don't make that mistake. But it's just it, it's proof to say that they're going in a different direction after this season. In my opinion, the quicker Colin Kaepernick can get out of there, the better. Yeah, that's that's a touchy, that's a touchy situation. I, I never had faith in Colin Kaepernick. Um, but to go with a Blaine Gabbert, I mean, but, but from what I'm also hearing, too, is that players in the locker room are not liking Colin Kaepernick's um, diva-like ways, I guess you could say. Um, that it's coming out, even though I hate anonymous reports, I hate them, but it's coming out that players are saying that they, 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 they actually don't like the fact that he does the press conferences with his headphones on. He just looks like a punk kid half the time. Um, he's a loner, and he's kind of isolated himself in that locker room, and as a quarterback, that's the last position where you want to be isolated at. You know, so, but going to blame Gabbard, that, 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 that's almost like saying we forfeit the rest of the year. I mean, really, that's the way I look at it. Because Blaine Gabbert didn't Blaine Gabbert get benched for like a forty-year-old Chad Henne and Jack Miller? Say like he right. wasn't forty, but you know he wasn't forty years old. But he got benched for Chad Henne, who was way, way past his prime. So that's still, oh, that's real. I'm surprised Blaine Gabbert's even in the league. That, that's how shocking a move it is. Um, real quick, when it comes to teams around the league, shout out to the Detroit Lions, one of the teams that I truly loathe for getting embarrassed, not just in the state, but also over in over in, in England. Um, they lost 45-10 to Kansas City. But the biggest story here for me, Joe, was um, they fired Joe Lombardi, their offense coordinator, because they, they wanted to see a more fast-paced offense, that they wanted to work more to Matthew Stafford's strengths. They wanted to protect Matthew Stafford. He still stinks. I mean, how many times is this, is this team really going to get, get like give Matthew Stafford weapons? How many times are they they're going to help him with a coaching staff? So they realize he is what he is. And I honestly think, since Detroit has paid them the guaranteed money, Detroit may just want to cut loose on Matthew Stafford at this point. They may want to cut loose on Matthew Stafford and Jim Caldwell at this point. I don't think there's a really legitimate option up top that can lead this Lions team to success. When you look at the overall landscape of the league right now, Jim Caldwell and Matthew Stafford in no NFL world are going to get a team to the playoffs, nevertheless make a Super Bowl run. That's, it's just impossible. And when you look at this, mm-hmm. you say Jim Caldwell – He's not a very good coach, G, and I think he's proven that this year. He's just he doesn't have a grasp on the team, and I think that you've seen that. We certainly have from the beginning. We've said this isn't going to work mm-hmm. out. It's just it, you're you're trying to implement what you're doing here is it's odd because you're trying to implement a new coach and a new system with players that have already been around and proven that they're they're average at best. And when you bring in a coaching staff that's not even proven they're average yet, it doesn't. It's not going to be a recipe for success. So as much as this may have looked like a fresh new start on paper. What it is, it's the same old Matthew Stafford, the same old system on offense and defense with the coaching staff that really doesn't have a grasp. And, and I don't think they stay around much longer. I don't care if it's Lombardi, Jim Bob Cooter, whoever is leading that offense. They're just not going to get it done. And to be embarrassed like that really proves that point. Jim Bob Cooter has got to be one of the worst names ever given. That's one of the worst birth yep. names yep. ever given to anybody ever. Like, it, like your parents must hate you 
Agreed. Jim Bob in your last name. Agreed. Agreed. That's, that's a rough that's a rough childhood. Um, we're going to take a break from the NFL right now. We're going to start off the college talk with my favorite segment. You want to make money this weekend, right? <laughs> okay. It's now time for the Heartthrobs College Football Locks. All right, we're rebounding after last week. Well, rebounding means you missed last week. Last week we scored. We were on fire last week. I was happy looking at my settlement afterwards. Well, let's start with this one. Arizona, 17-point underdog at USC. Joe, both these guys averaged 34 a game. But if you look at Arizona, when they played against good defenses like Stanford and Washington, I mean, they hold them down. Arizona, it's just they're pretty much shackled to the ground. They, they can't do what they want to do. There's a 13-point difference defensively per averaging game. USC only allowing 21 points a game, and um, Arizona averaging 34 points a game. Honestly, I'm just looking at athletes. I'm looking at a rejuvenated and revived USC team right now. You've got Cody Kessler at the top of his game. All the athletes are coming together. Um, Arizona could probably hang around for a half. I think USC really runs away with it. They're at home. I- I'm giving 17 points over here and taking USA. Yeah, this is interesting because when you look at USC, both of these teams lost to Washington. USC played them 17 to 12. Arizona okay. last week lost 40, 49 to 3. So I've been taking this Arizona team, you know, with the points before last week. But what in the world was that? I mean, you gotta wonder. You know, is, is this time when you have a loss like that? That's tough to come back from because essentially you're not playing with nothing to lose. You're playing with you have to make a statement or else major changes are coming. So at five and four, I think they play tight, whereas USC has really nothing to lose. They know they've had the early season losses, but you beat Utah two weeks ago and then an impressive win against Cal last week. I think USC has the momentum, and at home I think they win this one, and they probably win it pretty big just considering the circumstance. The next game I'm looking at, Joe, it's Iowa, six-and-a-half-point favorite going into Indiana. I'm, you know me. I'm a guy who just looks at the numbers. I look at the averages. And I look at the level of competition that they play to become those averages. Indiana is letting up 37 points a game in the Big Ten. That's the worst. Iowa is letting up only 15, and they both average around the same amount of points. I, I know I know Indiana can score. Indiana's found ways to score. Iowa, though, honestly, Joe, they're legit. <laughs> I'm not an Iowa fan whatsoever, but this is a legit Iowa team. They, they, they pretty much manhandled Wisconsin when they played them. There's a lot going on over in Iowa. A really good chance to come away with the Big Ten Championship this year. Um, and they're doing it in, in nice fashion. They, they like controlling the clock. I just like what Iowa's doing this year. And I'll take Iowa minus six and a half to win by a touchdown on the road. Yeah, well, not only did the Hawkeyes manhandle Wisconsin, but you got to remember, they beat Northwestern 40-10 to in the game that we all thought was going to yeah. be a super close game when they played each other yes, we at did. Northwestern. They put up 40 points at Northwestern, and that just proves that, you know, as much love as the Iowa defense gets, this offense can score points, too. They got 31 against Maryland last week. And like you said with Indiana, I mean, 0-4 in Big Ten play. They just haven't proven. I mean, when you can only score seven points against Penn State, you're not going to convince me that you're a legitimate, consistent offense. And I know that Penn State has a great defense, but seven points makes you wonder, especially going up against an Iowa defense that maybe isn't as good as Penn State, but when you, when you look at the stats, this Iowa defense is good. So I think they have the clear edge over here. Iowa, for me, wins big. Um, this one's a little tricky, but I'm going with it. you got the Houston Cougars, a nine-point uh, favorite at home against Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, I'm taking Houston over here. Cincinnati's just been disappointing me all year. I kind of saw the beginning of the year, this is going to be a team that's going to challenge for the American Athletic. Um, they still, by numbers are, they're 5-3, and three, they're second in the East Division of American Athletic. I, I just don't like Cincinnati's defense whatsoever. Um, and Houston could put up points. I mean, that, that's pretty much just been the tradition at Houston. And Houston right now, if you look at the way they've been playing, they're, they're, they're kind of in sync right now. You know, like that you hit a certain stride in the year, and I just like the way Houston's been looking. Um, I'll lay down minus nine over here because I think Houston could win this game by, by 10 or 14. So, and, and then when you look at the defensive averages, Houston's letting, letting teams only score 17.3 points a game. Cincinnati, 26.4. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking Houston, not looking back. I think this is actually a game that could be relatively high scoring when you look at both what both teams have done. Obviously, Cincinnati got the big win last week, but it was against UCF, so we got to consider the opponent there. But Houston, mm-hmm. I like. I think this is a big game for them. They're on such a hot streak right now. I mean, the closest game they played in recent, you know, in the recent, it was 34 to 31 against Louisville in Week Two. Since then, they've beaten all opponents by double digits in the last 
gosh, three weeks I'm looking at it here, they've won by at least 34 points. Vanderbilt, Tulane, and UCF nonetheless. But I just think they have too much momentum going into a game where they can stay undefeated against Cincinnati. I like Houston's team overall better, but I think they definitely win. Again, considering the circumstances, late in this season, you have to kind of go with momentum. And I think right now in a game like this, Houston has all the momentum where Cincinnati's just playing really to play at this point. Absolutely. Um, Looking across the nation, look at other games going on. Interesting game now, Baylor and Kansas State. Kansas State is a 17-point underdog, home underdog on Thursday night. Um, Usually you see Baylor, you see a number like minus 17. You kind of just jump all over it no matter who the opponent is. Baylor is pretty much a 20-point or 24-point favorite wherever they go. Um, different, different surroundings right now because they, they, they have a troop. And now there's, not a lot of people know about this, about this kid. I know nothing about this kid. Maybe you do. But I got faith that Art Riles, that he's going to recruit a kid that, that can pick up a system this quick or else he wouldn't be on this team. It's just sketchy, Joe. I don't know where to go on this one. This is really sketchy. I'm not sure you can really touch this one just because of the unknown. We know Baylor has all the weapons, but honestly, that started with Seth Russell. Seth Russell is the guy that starts this. I understand you have guys like Katie Caw, Katie Cannon, Corey Coleman, Shockman. Mm-hmm. What I get it. I mean, these are you know top level guys in college football right now. But it all starts with Seth Russell, and I, I'm just not sure you can trust Jared Stidham to come in and, and really make a big difference. I just you he might look. I mean, this guy he's been through a lot. I mean, he's you know, a top recruit out of high school, but you can't really tell until you get these guys on the field and put them on. So it's very possible Baylor wins by 30. Don't get me wrong, but I just can't count on that yet just because of the, the relatively unknown. This is a game all about the quarterback, and when you have so much uncertainty at that position, I think you have to step away and just let it develop. And Kansas State is just a weird team because they're generally coached well, but that that Oklahoma game really just – I didn't understand what happened to Kansas State in that Oklahoma game. Well, they totally just got shellacked. I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't see that coming at all, you know. So that was a, that was a weird game. But yeah, it, you know what it is? I, um, I actually like Seth Russell like more a lot more than the way Bryce Teddy was handling the offense last year. I think Seth Russell just has a quicker release. I just like the way he looked on the center a lot more than Bryce Teddy last year. Um, moving on, you we got. Uh, oh yeah, th- this one I was thinking about making a lock, and I probably will take it Friday night. Temple is minus thirteen. Going into SMU, SMU has been a lot better than people thought they were going to be this year. Remember last year, they were pretty much the whipping boys, you know, them in Kansas. Kansas has stayed the whipping boys, though. But uh, I'm not sure about the line because Temple finally got on national TV. Everybody saw how good they were. Um, They put up a good fight against Notre Dame. I I thought Notre Dame was going to beat them by 14. Notre Dame needed, you know, the last two minutes of the game to win that game. Uh, But Temple showed what they got. I still think Temple by two touchdowns is a safe bet against SMU, though. I'll take Temple minus 13 over here. Yeah, I think Temple is a clear lock. But look, that, that's just such a good football team. And it's it's a shame that they couldn't beat Notre Dame last week. But when you look at the game, they really did. I mean, I, I, you can't really take whatever, you know, the final score is away from Temple. I know it will go down as a loss. But when you look at their season as a whole, it's not like they're going to make the college football playoff anyway. So that was a huge success mm-hmm. for them to play the way they did on national television against Notre Dame. So good for the program. And I'm really glad to see that they played so competitively against a good team. So I think this week, they're still riding a huge high, even after a loss. I just think Temple, they, they don't win. SMU, I know they've scored more points, but that defense just isn't good. That's the bottom line. I think Temple comes out roaring. Yeah, two touchdowns, I think it's three or four. I think Temple gets a huge win here. Duke got absolutely hosed by the NCAA last week. Um, they should have got the win over Miami. Completely got hosed on it. Um, they go into North Carolina now as an eight-point underdog. I think Vegas is kind of taking Duke as a team that it just – hurt mentally right now, and going into a rivalry game is not what they need right now. Um, North Carolina had a good showing last week against Pittsburgh. Um, they put up a lot of points. That, I mean, when you really look at what, how North Carolina scored, they were kind of chucking the ball, and Pittsburgh just couldn't cover them, though. So I don't know what really to make of North Carolina. I'm going to go with Duke over here. I think eight-point underdog in a rivalry game of any sort, especially two teams, that are pretty just marginally good. They're not, like, exceptionally good in my eyes. I like Duke plus eight in this rivalry game. I think Duke's going to come out focused and upset. They're not going to come out broken. And North Carolina, they seem to rely on the big play a little bit too much, so I like Duke okay. Yeah, well, not only do I like Duke with the points, I like Duke to win this game, and I think it's just based on simply matchup. I think Duke is the better team. That defense can play very well. North Carolina is just boom or bust for me. I, I watched them last week against mm-hmm. Pitt. 
what was that, Thursday night? I guess it was a Thursday night game. They just didn't look yeah, very good, yeah. and I, I didn't get the hype with North Carolina. The first time I had really watched them all year long, I had kept up with them in the box scores, but that can't really tell you anything. You get the real feel by watching them. And against Pitt, I just wasn't impressed, and I think the final score showed that. I like Duke a lot. It's a great football team that just suffered a terrible loss last week, a game they shouldn't have lost, a game they won. I like Duke too much. I think that they, in a rivalry game, I don't buy into the notion that they are just going to lay down to end the season. They still have something to prove that they're a great team, and, and in their minds, they only have one loss. So I think that they win this game. North Carolina, I'm just not impressed with. Um, the next one I'll, I'll let you take the lead with. You got Syracuse, 14-point underdog going into Louisville. Louisville's been a, kind of disappointing, but I, I think it's disappointing only because we expect so much from Bobby Petrino, typically. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we look at Louisville. This is a team that, that, you know, I mean, they're four and four, but their last two wins, three points against Boston College. Uh, they won by three against Boston College, one by one against Wake Forest, one by uh, seven against NC State. So the only convincing win they've had all year was against Sanford when they beat them 40, 45 to three. So, you know, can you really trust this Louisville team? I don't know. I know there's so much talk around this team, but there's a lot of talk around Syracuse, too. This is a team on the up and up. I really do like Syracuse. I like the way they can play. So 14 points just seems like a lot to me, G. Syracuse can score. I think they proved that against Florida State and Pitt. I like Syracuse to cover here. I'm not necessarily sure that they win, but I'm just not sold on Louisville. So I'll take Syracuse with the points, not necessarily with the win. Um. I gotta tell you, uh, I gotta see what the status is on quarterback, um, Eric Dungy, because uh, he took a vicious hit last week, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If, he probably had to go to some kind of concussion protocol. I think if Dungy plays, Syracuse keeps this game very close. Um, I was talking about him last week. I really like the moxie on this kid, though, Joe. What's that? I'm sorry. On Eric Dungy, I, I just like his moxie. I like his attitude. Oh, yeah, yeah. The way he Absolutely. carries himself on the field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so if, 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 if he plays, if he plays, he gets to refuse a better chance. But I'm not sure if he's going to make it to the game. Oh, yeah, that's I mean, hit he took last he, week. He, he's a good player, and I totally agree with you. I didn't even, uh, you know, Dungy. The thing with Dungy is he's a freshman, so I think that that's a really mm-hmm. good thing to have. And I, I understand that you say, well, he's a freshman, you got to be careful. But I think this is a different situation having a freshman a quarterback. This is a spot where Dungy's playing very well as a freshman. So I think there's a whole lot of built-up excitement and wanting, you know, in the program to give him the momentum that he can have. So I think that this is actually a good situation for an under-the-radar team to have a freshman like this to come in and play well. I think it's an advantage just because you're looking so ahead at the future that you just want to keep building momentum with this kid. And I think he's a guy that can do it. We got Utah going into Washington. This one is pretty much a pick. They got Washington a favorite because they're the home team right now by one point over under is 47. Not too many points are going to be scored. Um, is Utah fading in your eyes? Yeah, it just feels that way. You know, I mean, especially after the loss. It just, I, I think we bought into them early because you look at the schedule early and, and they had a couple wins that you say, wow, that was pretty convincing. But I'm just not sure Utah is the complete team that we want them to be. I don't think that they can sustain a spot up in even the top five, the top ten, just because of what we saw. It's disappointing because you wanted them to do so well. They were almost like America's underdog team, but we've seen their true, true colors over the past few weeks. I, I just can't believe them. And Washington has played very well. Yeah, I, I got to go for Washington. The home team over here, I just got to go for Washington over here. Um, looking, looking over here real quick. Um, I, something about this Stanford-Colorado game is weird to me. Colorado's at home. They're a 16-point underdog. Everything says um, take Stanford. Stanford's pretty hot right now. But I kind of want Colorado with the 16 points. I just think physically that, that they could bang with Stanford. Yeah, well, Colorado played a nice game last week against UCLA. They kept it within a score. They played close against mm-hmm. Arizona, too. I think they kept that one within a score, too. So Colorado, not a bad team. I'm not sure they're as bad as their record shows. They played some tough games in the Pac-12. I think Colorado keeps this close, too. I have enough belief in Stanford, though. I think they'll cover. I just... You know, it is difficult because Stanford's one of those teams that can come out and have a great game, but they can also, let's be honest, Stanford's known to have very underwhelming performances in games that you think they would play well in. So, yeah, I don't think it would be wrong to take Colorado. They have played well. I just think Stanford is too good and too talented that if you're going to go with your gut, I think Stanford's that pick. Three more games just to put a cherry on top. Uh, Florida State-Clemson. Florida State's a 12.5-point underdog against Clemson. Clemson is known to choke in these kind of games. Um, I don't know if this is a different kind of Clemson team. I still got to see more. 
Um, but you know what? I'm just going to roll with Clemson. I've been rolling with them all year pretty much. So I'll roll with Clemson, even to cover at 12 and a half. Yeah, well, don't fuck down those swingies. Clemson is prone to these losses. I don't know if you saw that press conference, but that was a, that was yeah. a good one if you haven't looked that up. Yeah, Clemson is a different team, I believe, right now. I don't think that they're as good as we thought they were in the regular season. We've seen them, you know, last week against NC State give up 41 points. I have questions about that defense. The offense is going to fire on all cylinders. I think it's odd because we're not used to a Clemson team that can put up 56 points on a regular basis, but that's what they're doing right now. They're putting up, you know, 40s, 50s all year long. This is interesting. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I like Florida State with the points, but I think Clemson gets the win just because of their offensive firepower. LSU and Leonard Fournette, six-point underdogs going into Alabama. This one's usually a slobber knocker. Over-under is 48. I kind of like the under in this game. Um, it's usually very close. It, it's very com- it comes down to the mistakes when it comes to Les Miles uh, versus Nick Saban. It comes down to those minor mistakes. You know, it, it comes down to those you don't convert a third and one. That, that, that's what these games come down to usually. I'm going with Bama over here, but I'm taking LSU plus six. But I think Bama pulls it off. I think Bama's just more complete as a team. I think the better at the quarterback position, um, and, it, and as good as Fournette and that offensive line is, going against Bama. And I, it, it sounds so cliche, Joe, to just say Bama this, Bama that. But you have to still. You know, Nick Saban is still there. So I think Alabama wins, LSU keeps it close, but maybe the score is like 14-10 or 17-13, Bama wins. I also think Alabama wins in a close one. I will say this. I think the myth of this game is that it's Leonard Fournette. I think that the key to this one is the battle within the trenches. I think if LSU's offensive line can counteract what the second level of Alabama is going to be doing with the linebackers, I think there's a really good chance for Leonard Fournette to do well. So while Leonard Fournette is good, he needs that, that tool up the front. I think LSU can get it done. It's going to be the battle in the trenches. If LSU can win that, I think Fournette has a big day, and I think LSU wins. But I agree, Alabama's the better team. I like them overall, so I think I'm going to take them. Again, in a close one, I think the under as well. You're pretty spot on here. Um, the last game I'm going over, because I think this one has upset written all over it. I could be wrong. But Michigan State, five-and-a-half-point favorite going into Nebraska. I, I kind of like Nebraska's chances to put up as many points as Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State plays so sloppy early on in games, man. It's like they just they just don't care where they are. It seems. I think Nebraska for Nebraska, this is their championship game right now. You know, to to, to, to knock off the Michigan. I, I think Nebraska comes out firing over here. It's a seven o'clock game, night night game at home. Uh, I, you know what? I I think I'm taking the Cornhuskers to upset Michigan State over here. That's tricky. I don't believe in Michigan State, but I'm not sure I'm that uh, low on them. I think they win this game, but I do agree. Nebraska's going to keep it close. When you look at both of these teams, and really just the overall picture, it's a Michigan State that's been underwhelming but has won, and a Nebraska team that has mm-hmm. played pretty decently on offense and has lost. So, and you got to remember, they scored 45 points last week against Purdue, and granted, it's Purdue, but you put up 45 points against anybody, you're going to turn some heads. They scored four touchdowns in the loss against Northwestern. That's just in the past two weeks. Yeah. They can put up points, and I know Michigan State has a good defense, but I think they keep it close. Again, not as low as on Michigan State. I think they probably win by a touchdown or so. But I think they're very possible Nebraska keeps this within a one-score game and does keep it close. All right, that is our college takes right this week. Uh, me and Joe will take a short break, and we'll be back to break down the NFL action. Bear with us. that matters. I'm the heart of Bob G.W. Grock. He is Joe Weaver, the future of all sports media. Um, right now, we're going to give you our NFL picks for what, what week is this? Week 9 coming up? Season's already yeah. like halfway done. Wow, man. This thing flies. You, you wait all year for September to come around. So we go watch football and it's like almost Christmas already. It's almost Christmas, man. Um, all right. Well, we'll get into it. Um, let's get right to the Thursday night game because this spread is huge. 
Um, the Cincinnati Bengals are an 11-point favorite against the Cleveland Browns. This is a rivalry game, so it's kind of a slap in the Browns' face. The Browns still play pretty good defense. And not for nothing, they, they looked like they were going to beat, beat the you-know-what at Arizona in the first half of the, of the game Sunday, and then they became the Browns again. Um, McCown's still playing hurt. Um, Duke Johnson is clearly the receiving back. I mean, I don't know. 11 points is a lot. But the Bengals are for real. The Bengals can win this game by, like, 24 points. Right, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. We're, first of all, on the Browns side, we're going to play the same old game we always do with, you know, is Josh McCown going to start? Is Johnny Manziel going to get some time, even if McCown starts? So we're, we're pretty used to what we're going to see in Cleveland for now. When I look at the Cincinnati side real quick, I want to, you know, backtrack to last week a little bit. I think you saw, and I know I'm going to say this and anger some folks in Cincinnati, but you saw bad Andy last week. You saw bad Andy mm-hmm. Dalton that, that, that really shows up only when we have these big games that you're, you're not expected to win, but people want to see you win so they can solidify that you're a legitimate team. Last week, we saw bad Andy, and I think that that's a concern moving forward for the Bengals is we know the talent they have. We say it week after week. I mean, you don't – at this point, we don't even have to list the names that Cincinnati has. They're the most talented team in the NFL. Online. But when you have bad Andy come out and play like that in a game against Pittsburgh, a rivalry game that's really heated up over the years – I think there's really room for concern. You know, you know, say what you want about putting it on the back burner, whatever he has, he'll be fine. No, he's not going to be fine, and I think last week proved that. So while I do think he gets them on track this week against Cleveland, probably has a good game and, and has people believing in Andy Dalton again, I'm not going to forget about what we saw last week. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers at home, four-and-a-half-point favorite against the Oakland Raiders. Let me say, I, I think this one, Vegas wants you to take the Oakland Raiders so bad. After what they did to a good defense in the Jets, everybody's talking about Derek Carr. Um, and, and you look at them right now, they're giving four-and-a-half points. I mean, getting, excuse me, four-and-a-half points against the Pittsburgh Steelers team that lost their best player. I think there's a total trap bet, and for that reason, I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. Either way, points will be scored. Over-under is 47-and-a-half. I love the over in this game. Points will be scored. Steelers need this game, you know, and I think the Steelers do it at home. You know, remember, Heinz Field is one of those fields that, you know, if you're not used to it, you can't, you can't get your traction right. I mean, it sounds weird, but it's just the truth. Heinz Field, where Washington plays, where Chicago plays, those are three of the worst fields in the league, you know, and they keep it like that for a reason. I like Pitt over here. I think Pitt is 27-20, um, which stays right at the over-under, and I'd lose that. That sucks, but, yeah, 27-20. <laughs> feels like this is a game where Ben Roethlisberger makes one of his typical statements. You know, I mean, you, you kind of have this mm-hmm. every year with the Steelers where they, they underwhelm one week, then the next week they have a tough game, and they just blow a team out of the water. And I think that that's what we're setting up for with Oakland. I believe in Oakland and Derek Carr. This guy is going to be good for years and years and years. He's going to be in Oakland, one of the next NFL's franchise. Well, maybe not in Oakland, but going to be the best franchise quarterbacks for the Raiders. So I, I do like Derek Carr, but in a game like this, this really is Ben Roethlisberger needing a win. He needs to show up. He needs to get it to his weapons. And I know his mobility is limited, but I think this is a game where he takes over, Antonio Brown takes over. The defense isn't great. Oakland's going to score points, but I could easily see Pittsburgh putting up 40 points against an Oakland secondary that's really been shaking his time this year. Yeah, my man D. Will was, was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about that. He's a huge Raider guy, and he said that secondary that they have is terrible. But still, the secondary ain't that good either, so should be some points, should be some scoring. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars off their bye week. Um, going to play the Jets, um, th- this game is interesting because you, you, you saw what the Raiders did with their aerial attack, and the Jaguars have a pretty good aerial attack, not for nothing. You know, you have Alan Hurd, Alan Robinson there, um, and, and Blake Bortles, he's getting better as the season progresses. He's gaining more confidence. There's no line on this game yet because nobody knows who the quarterback is for the Jets. Let me tell you, if it has to be Geno or Bryce Petty, you go all over the Jaguars on this because the Jaguars will probably be an underdog still at like two and a half points or something if that's the case. Uh, I'm actually going Jaguars over here. I have Jacksonville with a pick no matter who starts for the Jets. I think the Jets, New York's in a downward spiral now. I mean, they started out hot. They, there's always one team that, a year that does this. We think, oh, maybe they're contenders. And then by week 11 or 12, they kind of fade out of the picture. I think that's the Jets this year. Just no stability at the quarterback spot if Fitzpatrick can't come back. And even if he does, I just can't see it sustaining. Even against, as odd as it sounds, against the team in Jacksonville who really has something to play for. They have something to play for because when you look at this team, a lot of doubters right now, even though they have fans coming into the season, a lot of doubters saying, 
okay, is Bortles really legitimate? Does Gus Bradley know what he's doing? And I think the answer to both of those questions is yes. I think good team, I think they're the better than the Jets. But here, if you need to watch here, if Bryce Petty plays, let's just throw it into the mix for a second. If Bryce Petty plays, mm-hmm. you're going to be running the ball with Chris Ivory. And I think the Jacksonville defense is good enough to stop him and force Bryce Petty. And I know I said this earlier, but if you force Bryce Petty to throw the ball, it's going to be a mess. And you're, you're bound for a couple turnovers. But I think Jacksonville, even, even if Geno Smith plays, I think Jacksonville wins. And I, quite frankly, I think they win it big. I just don't believe in the Jets this year. You know, I know they have the talent. I know they have it. But I just don't believe in the quarterback. It's a quarterback game. And right now I just don't think they have it. Um, St. Louis Rams, two-and-a-half-point underdog going into Minnesota to play the Vikings. Vikings got real lucky against the Bears last week. The Rams handled business against the 49ers. Um, I, I don't know. This game, this game I have no interest in watching, uh, except that you get to see, like, the old versus the new. You get to see Todd Gurley versus Adrian Peterson, so to speak. So, so, so I guess that's worth watching. And I think, honestly, the team who wins is the team whose running back runs for more yards. That's the way I'm playing this one, Joe. Yep, totally agree. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Both quarterbacks kind of, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't think either guy is going to make a game-breaking difference in this one. It's going to be about defense in the running game. Which defense has the ability to stop the running back more? That's what it's going to be. Neither defense is, is astoundingly incredible, but I think the Rams actually have a good shot. I just like the Vikings too much. I think they have a lot of momentum going into the it's a, I guess you could say the stretch. I mean, I know it's only week nine, but this is a team that mm-hmm. could make things happen in the NFC. So I think they continue that streak. Win big. If the Vikings win, the Vikings are six and two, right? Yes, incredible. Yeah, I, I, I can't see the Vikings being six and two, so I'm picking the Rams here <laughs> plus two and a half. I can't see that. Um, yeah, Buffalo Bills three point favorite at home against the Dolphins. Two underwhelming teams in Buffalo. I thought was going to make the playoffs, and Buffalo just I don't know what's going on there. But Joe, before I get into this game, I got to shout a whole group of people out, Joe. I got to shout out every single one of you Miami Dolphins fans that were hitting me up on Twitter Thursday night. You guys are the biggest bunch of crybabies I've ever had to encounter, ever. I'm making blanket statements about the Dolphins and the truth about your team, and people were coming at me, Joe, as if they knew me, cursing at me, saying this and that. You guys are the biggest bunch. And I, let me tell you, Joe, I took the high road. I just kept saying what I had to say and didn't, quote, unquote, at anybody. I just let them get at me. I mean, so they went so far as, as as reading my statement, replying to it, cursing me out or whatever, then going to, like, my profile and finding things about my profile picture or my, my profile itself to make fun of or poke fun at. And then one guy actually was retweeting and quoting tweets of mine earlier in the week about randomness and saying, look, he's a loser, look, he's a loser. You Miami Dolphins fans are a class act. I got to tell you, bottom of my heart, keep it classy, Miami. I hope Buffalo destroys your asses and you lose 45 minutes. Go Rex Ryan. I'm not sure that's, I can really. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I can, uh, you know, f- follow up on that one. I guess all I can say is that Miami's lost your vote for the rest of the year. That's pretty much it. I mean, I'm going to pick them because I'm. I'm not really a. I don't know. If I pick them, I might get your bad side too. But I think they're the better team. So I'm going to. I'm going to do one of those things where I pick them and just walk away and back away slowly. Hey, you know, it's like, I, I, I may have a second podcast this week where I curse them all out, Joe, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, you know. Um, <laughs> the Tennessee Titans are visiting the New Orleans Saints. That was a crazy game against the Saints and the Giants. We didn't talk about it because we don't try talking about the Giants too much on this show. But the Saints, not for nothing. If you have anybody on their offense in fantasy football, they did something for you because you were just spraying the ball around, everyone's scoring. You've got to love the way Ben Watson He's coming into the end of his career and having probably pretty much the best time of his life right now. Um, he's, he, you look at him now, you've you got to think of him as a top five, top seven tight end in the league right now. He's getting so much action. All what really need is killing it. The Titans just fired their head coach. I don't see what happened in Miami when, when Miami fired their head coach and they won all these blowout wins because the Titans still struggle on defense and Drew Brees and his offense are totally in sync. Don't care what the spread is. I'm taking the same. Yeah, I agree here. Not much to say. Uh, you know, the Titans just – they're going to be good. I, I do believe that, but this just isn't the year. Rookie quarterback that had some injury issues. Hey, you know, find a head coach. Wizen Hunt, after, what, five starts Mariota has, seems a little harsh to me. There has to be something internally going on that would have forced them to make the decision other than just the performance on the field because I don't really see that. So, and the Saints' upward spiral, 
you know, I like Drew Brees still. I think he's got a little bit left in the tank after last week. I, I believe it. So I'm going to take the Saints here, probably in a big win, just because I'm not so sure the Titans are, are really – this year just seems like a get your feet wet. We'll see what happens next year is the big year for Marcus Mariota to break out. Hopefully he stays healthy. Who knows what the head coaching situation goes. But for now, I think the Saints are definitely the safer pick. Real quick, I'm going to go off, off – um, off, what's it called? Off scripts. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Frank Gatlin, NFL, NFL uh, Network, says Johnny Manziel start on Thursday night against the Bengals. Oh, good. That, that, that makes Thursday some you, – you know why they're doing that, right? You, you know, it's all about money. And it is the first Thursday night game that exclusively is on the NFL Network. I, I think NFL calls Cleveland and said, look, you guys need oh, to do probably. this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the first game because they're gonna lose this game regardless, you know. And I yeah, think the yeah. NFL and you need to start Johnny Manziel because we need to push the NFL Network. It is the first week they're on NFL Network and not on national TV, which I kind of hate, you know. Kind of just like I don't know, like yeah. You, you get into that Thursday, you know what? So college football is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. So Max enjoy it. it, you know. And that's all free, you know. Um, uh, moving on, oh, I, I messed up. This is the biggest spread of the week. Washington Redskins are going into New England to get slaughtered by the Patriots. Nothing to say here. The Patriots are on a mission, and I think the Redskins, I think Kirk Cousins gets destroyed in this game. Um, I even predict some RG3 action in this game. I, I think Kirk Cousins throws three early picks in the first half. Patriots roll over Washington over here. Yeah, Patriots win by 40. Next. Yeah, this, this is going to be – that's going to be bad. You know, if there was ever a flex game that they could just take off TV, should be that long. That's going to be a murder. And now that, that's the kind of game that they switch off and they give you another game halfway through. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly that's pretty right. much the kind of game exactly that right. is. Um, this one's interesting. Green Bay Packers, really, their schedule sucks. They had to go against a tough defense against Denver, which embarrassed Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And now they're going against another tough defense in Carolina, um, the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers being totally disrespected here, Joe. They're a two-and-a-half-point home underdog against the Green Bay Packers. Let me tell you, I said this before the Packers played against Denver and I actually predicted the under in that game as well. The Packers have not been fluid on offense like we're used to. You know, I mean, and, and this goes beyond the Denver game where they just got kind of, – Denver's embarrassing everybody with their defense. Best defense in the league hands down. But this Green Bay offense, that Denver game is not what they needed. They are not in sync. Their timing is off. There is something not right with that offensive line. The running game is a mess. Um, their receivers are just getting hurt. Randall Cobb hasn't been 100% this whole year. You know, Devontae Adams just came back. This is a team that is not playing good offense, as you would expect more from. Carolina, I think John, um, John Green said it the best yesterday, Joe, that this team offensively, they don't care about stats. This is a team game, you know, and they don't care about completion percent. You can't look at numbers with this team. They just grind you out. Love the way they play. I love the way Cam Newton's emerged this year. You, you can see where I'm going with this. I'm thinking the Panthers here buy a field goal again. Two scariest words, home underdog. Carolina, I don't think that that's very safe to put them as a home underdog in a game that they really <laughs> could make a giant statement to the rest. Of, and they did last night, don't get me wrong. I think even with yeah. that fourth quarter collapse, they still made a statement in the way they played. So I like Carolina. Not big here. I think it's going to be close. Totally agree with you. But I'm just not so 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 that the, the Packers – Last week scared me a little bit. I know it did, and I know it's against that Broncos defense, but they just didn't seem prepared, and it almost makes you wonder if the loss of Jordy Nelson really does hurt them that much just because they don't have that extra dynamic weapon. James Jones will catch touchdown passes for you, but he's not going to be the guy that makes your big plays. So I think Josh Norman, great matchup here. How about Kirk Coleman last night coming out of the woodwork and making a huge, huge, having a huge game on Monday night? This team just seems to be firing on all cylinders, and I think it would be – you know, really unintelligent to not pick them at home in a big game like this. And at the risk of sounding corny, this Carolina Panthers team, they seem really together. Like offense, defense, yep. they just seem yep. to talk to each other the whole time. You've got to really like And Cam Newton has really assumed that role of leader on the team, and it makes me happy to see that. You know, because he was a guy who I loved coming out of college with a lot of character questions. And it looks like he just matured into this, this player that we've all kind of wanted him to become. You know, and once again, you can't really look at stats with Cam Newton. He's a different kind of animal, you know. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, Carolina, over here. Um, Atlanta Falcons, seven-point favorite going into San Fran. San Fran starting Blaine Gabbert. That's all you need to know. Give me Atlanta. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's the storyline here. Atlanta, they got to win, man. I mean, they really have to win. That was a, such a tough mm-hmm. stretch for them. They have to make a statement to say that they're still in it. I don't think that they – well, I guess they do. They do still have a shot at winning the South, but – 
Carolina's clearly the better team right now. So I think the Falcons have to make a statement to say, hey, we might be a wild card team, but we can still make it. It's going to be tricky if they have to go on the road in the playoffs and get a win. I really do. I think it's a good team that started out hot, but I'm not sold that they can win down the stretch. So must-win game for them. They have to make a statement. If they lose, I mean, if they win by anything less than 10 points, it's a disappointment. When you're talking about Dan Quinn, the, the, the former defensive coordinator of Seattle Seahawks, now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, he, he still has a beef with the 49ers. You know, he, he went to some grueling battles with the 49ers, and I'm sure he's going to want to surprise them. I'm sure he's going to want to take advantage of Blaine Gabbard being in there. So, yeah, give me Atlanta minus seven over here because he's going to make this a rivalry game at least just for this week. Um, the New York Giants put up 900 points and still lost last week. Tampa Bay Buccaneers pulled off an upset last week against the uh, aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. Um, Tampa Bay's a two-and-a-half-point home underdog. It's not as scary as it appears to be the two-and-a-half-point home underdog. This is tough, though, because the Giants, is, they play to the level of their competition every week. You know, so it's really tough. So aren't they going to play as bad as Tampa Bay is? And it's Tampa Bay kind of scaling up. Is Davis Winston kind of picking up his game? You see Mike Evans is playing healthier now. Um, you know what? Eli's going against a cover two defense. I think that's the deciding factor because I think the cover two defense is more of a – it shouldn't be, it should be something you base your whole defense on. You and me discussed this earlier. So I'll give the Giants the edge over here and take the win in Tampa Bay. This is tricky. I had the Panthers, uh, the Panthers, but the Buccaneers, on the paper, I say they win. I mean, I, I look at this and I say, well, I, I believe in just the, the way, like you said, the Giants always seem to underperform in games like this. Eli on the road, it kind of scares me. So I had the Bucks. But after thinking about it and after hearing your, your ex, excellent explanation on this game, I, I think of last week and I think if the Giants can score so much against the Saints, what are they going to do against the Buccaneers defense that really doesn't impress me? Whatsoever, I think the Giants score a lot of points, and I, I think in this game it's not necessarily a matter of who, who plays the prettiest game. I just think who can put up the most points. I think that's uh, New York. I, you know, Tampa Bay is tricky because I think they can be a very good team, but they're just not going to win the division, and they're not going to have a chance at the wild card. So right now it's just about progressing, get, getting Jameis Winston to take those extra steps. But right now, Eli's at a point where they got to win. There's still a golden opportunity, and I think they get it done here. The Denver Broncos, three-and-a-half-point favorites going into Indianapolis. Let me say, I'm not sure if you noticed from last night's game, but I definitely noticed. Andrew Luck looked like garbage when it was raining. And then when it got dry, he got hot again. You know, he threw the two touchdown passes. He looked great. And then in overtime, it started raining. He threw a pick again. Uh, so, so if this tells you anything, if it's raining hard, just bet against Andrew Luck because he obviously has no control of the ball. And he looked bad in the rain, like terrible, you know, in the rain. But um, nevertheless, um, hopefully it won't be raining because it's be in Indianapolis, so it won't rain in Indianapolis because, you know, for obvious reasons. But um, Denver's defense best in the league. I think they're going to get to Andrew Luck. Um, this team is still too – this Colts team is still too shaky. Um, they're going to get outcoached, outsmarted. Denver's going to destroy them. Denver's only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I would jump on this now because I think by kickball, it's going to go up to at least five or six. And even then, it's not going to matter. Denver's going to destroy the Indianapolis Colts over here. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I look at this game, and sometimes I like to play the test of, you know, take away who's home and who's away. Take these two football teams and say, who is the better team? And right now, Denver, I don't care if they're home, away, playing in London. I don't care where they are. This is a legitimate team only because of that defense and the way that, and the weapons they have on offense. Trading for Vernon Davis, yeah. yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what that, you know, yields. But right now, this Broncos team, really legitimate. The Colts just really struggling. They were my – Super Bowl pick. I'll say that lightly again. But uh, you know, I'm Terrible. not done with that. I'm done. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make any excuses for it. The Colts just are not very good this year. Denver, probably the best team. No, not the best team. I still hold by Cincinnati, but I think they're the second most talented team in the AFC against the Colts. It's not a no-brainer. I don't care if they're home or away. Give me them by double digits, honestly. He said the Colts, but you meant the Broncos, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that, was good. That, that, that was a good way of coming it up, though. Like, yeah, you know, um, yeah. Sunday night football, I mean, if it wasn't for these rabid fan bases, I think this game would have probably got flexed out of Sunday night football. You got the Philadelphia Eagles, three-point favorites going into Dallas to play the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys just need Tony Romo back, man. I mean, I, I can't take the Cowboys until Romo comes back. I won't. I, I think when Romo's there, it, the Cowboys win this game by 14 points. You know, and that's a testament to how, to how good Romo is in this system behind that offensive line. You know, uh, the Cowboys actually just released Joseph Randall, 
I don't even know if anybody knows where he is, but I just read they released him. I have no idea if anybody's found Joseph Randall. He's kind of ran away, but whatever. That's another story. But um, I, I got to take the Eagles over here. I think the Eagles have a better roster over here. The Eagles are going to be a prime time. Uh, it's only three points in Dallas. Teams like going to Dallas because they know it's a big show. Give me the Eagles and Chip Kelly over here. Yeah, I'll tell you what. This is – oh, my gosh. I, I, we need – we as a league – the, the fans of the league have to start a petition to get these NFC East teams off of prime time. I feel like every week I watch these games and, oh, here's yeah. another NFC East game. Here's another. And I, it gets obnoxious after a while. We know what these teams are all about. I could tell you more about these teams than the Ravens, to be completely honest with you. You just see them so much. So <laughs> cause that's my rant for this game. I don't really have any pick. My pick is to get these teams off the – up the field, but I give me the Eagles just because I, I picked them for this. There's another team I picked for the Super Bowl, and they're underwhelming. So give me the Eagles, but I don't want to watch either of these two garbage teams. Well, yeah, you picked the Eagles and the Colts, and I picked the Steelers and the Cowboys. Like, for, are, are we supposed yeah. to know our stuff? Yep. I don't get it. I don't get yep. it. I know. I know. What I, got, we, I, what I, I, I think you and me are two pretty – you know, it's funny. This is the first year and like, I want to say – five, maybe six years even, that I didn't pick New England to come out the AFC. So I'm kicking myself because I always pick New England because it's the easiest pick and it's, you're usually right. You know, I picked the Steelers this time. You know, like, whatever. Um, the last game, and it's so good when I could do this, save the best for last. Monday night football. It's in San Diego, but it's high. Chicago Bears are a four-point underdog um, going into San Diego. The over-under is 49. I expect a lot of points to be scored in this one. Philip Rivers has quietly just been having a great year, but it doesn't matter because his entire team is trash. The Bears have no secondary. The Chargers secondary suspect. And not for nothing, Joe, Jay Cutler has been working really well at Adam Gates this year. Yeah, this is tricky. Keenan Allen just announced that he has a kidney laceration. He's out for the season. So Keenan Allen, wow. a guy maybe I would have uh, taken over the edge here. But I don't know. This is a tricky game for me. I think the Bears still have a lot to offer. I like uh San Diego. I think they're a great team, and I think they're probably the best two and six team in the NFL. But like Keenan Allen News mm-hmm. changes things for me a little bit. I'm going to take the Bears here just for you, G. I really am. I think that this is a game that they can win. I, I believe that. I believe the Bears can win this game. San Diego, it's, it's tricky because they are a good team, but sometimes you look at these situations where you have a good team that just week after week they lose these tough games. Eventually it wears on them and the talent. But that kind of supersedes the talent a little bit. But that's why I think Chicago can get it done on the road. I think Chicago hasn't been getting blown out like they did last year. You know, like, they're, mm-hmm. they're not the team that got blown out, you know, week after week. I'm trying to bring up their schedule real quick. Um, but it, it's a matter of, like, they've been keeping all these games close, and, and I, like the way that, I like the way that they've been keeping these games close. They're, you have a coach like John Fox, very old school. He's going to be with there at the run game. They both have um, – they won't have – I won't say Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> they, won't, they won't have Matt Forte. But I think, like I said, that almost might be a blessing in disguise because I've been saying I want, I want to see Jeremy Langford. I, I want to see what this guy can do already. Um, I'm taking the Bears over here, not just because I'm a Bears fan. First of all, plus four, I think this is a game that's going to be a lot of points e- either way. Phillip Rivers can score with anybody. You know, I mean, that, 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 there were times last year when Keenan Allen was on the field, and you had no idea if Keenan Allen was on the field, you know, because he wasn't even getting the ball. He couldn't get open. So uh, I think both teams score a lot of points. I think the Bears edge this one out, though, in the fourth quarter, and I'll take the Bears over here. I love it. Plus 175 on the honey line, too. Love the Bears in this one. Um, before we let you go, Joe, uh, there's a game tonight, and it's actually a pretty good college game. Northern Illinois versus Toledo at Toledo. Toledo's a seven-point favorite. Over-under is 60. Uh, what do you like in this one? I like Maxion, G. That's all I'm going to say. I like Maxion. Max football is the best. We get these weeknight games. It's just awesome. You get to see so many guys that you wouldn't normally see. I think it's great for the sport in college football. But I love Toledo. I really do. I know NIU has some great key options on offense. I've seen them play a couple times this year, but it's hard not to like Toledo. They're a really good team. A guy I would really beg you to watch is their running back, Keem Hunt. Really, really good Uh talent. He's put up so many yards this year. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I'm sorry. Sorry, Kareem. Uh, not a Kareem. Kareem Hunt. 5.1 yards per carry. He's back tonight. So, good to see him. I think Toledo, good defense, good running game. I think that's the key to success. Toledo by six. Wow. You, Toledo by six and the spread is seven. That's going to be a tight one. And tomorrow is actually Ohio University against Bowling Green. I actually like both these teams, but Bowling Green should really destroy them. Bowling Green is a 21-point favorite tomorrow. But um, they should. I like Ohio, though. I just like the way they play. They play kind of rough. Um, all right, Joe, that's it for this week, man. Uh, glad to have you back. Tell everybody where they can find you. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Weidra. Uh, recently been tweeting out some NBA things. Go Golden State. They've impressed me this year. I'm trying to get into it a little bit this year, G. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to watch as much NBA as I can to be not so non-knowledgeable on the Twitter machine. So go Golden State. Likely what I've seen from them. That Andre Iguodala, am I saying that right? He's pretty good. Yeah, he's been good for a little while. <laughs> let, let me tell yeah, you, NBA yeah. and me are just not getting along this year. The Nets are 0-4. I'm just hating the NBA this year, so I have a huge attitude with it. But I'm sure I'll talk to you next week, brother. Um, I'm sure I'll text you and hit you up during the week. So be good. Sounds good. Go Bears. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or the .com website, G-Steelio, G-E-F-T-E-L-I-O. Stay with us. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.